Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener and Patreon supporter, Kimberly. Kimberly writes... Hey guys, love the podcast and happy to see that you're local. I'd like to recommend a suspense episode titled Too Many Smiths with Hume Cronin. I have a special reason for liking it. I'm curious to know what you think. Suspense aired on CBS Radio from 1942 to 1962, producing 947 episodes in total, most of which still exist today. Hailed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense specialized in edge-of-your-seat thrillers, some written especially for radio, others adapted from contemporary and classic literature. Too Many Smiths stars Hume Cronin with support from a truly amazing cast. Kathy Lewis, William Johnstone, Elliot Lewis, Wally Mayer, and Joseph Kearns. Cronin made his film debut in Alfred Hitchcock's 1943 classic Shadow of a Doubt. Over the next few years, Cronin continued to work with Hitchcock, appearing in Lifeboat before stepping behind the scenes to co-write Rope and Under Capricorn. If you are a Gen Xer like me, though, you probably remember Cronin for his role in the 1985 film Cocoon. And now let's listen to Too Many Smiths from Suspense. First broadcast June 13th, 1946. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Hume Cronin, who is currently being seen in the Metro-Golden-Mayer production, The Green Years, as star of Too Many Smiths, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Hume Cronin in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! Right in here, Doc. What happened, Sergeant Hurley? I picked this guy up in a depot. I've been looking for him for three days. He's standing in the crowd screaming somebody made a sucker out of him. Getting violent. Well, I better have a look at him. All right, now. No one's going to hurt you. You made a sucker out of me. There he goes again. Who made a sucker out of you? Yeah, sure, she made a sucker out of me. Hmm. I did it. Hand me my hand. Here. 
What are you going to do, Doc? Give him something to quiet him down. You think he's pulling an act? I'm trying to tell. Maybe temporary insanity. Yeah, pull up his sleeve. Come on, you. Come on. She made a sucker out of me. Who did? Who made a sucker out of me? Fate. It was fate, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that was it, a gag. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Maybe. Yeah, that's far enough, hold him. Yeah. Will that stuff put him to sleep? Should. How long will he be under? About ten hours. Okay. She, she, she ran out on me. She left me flat. It's starting to work. Mm-hmm. Very fast reaction. I'll come back and question him later. And what's he in for? Murder. Mm-hmm. Who'd he kill? Some cheap confidence mug, but the motive we haven't got. You see, Wallingford's my name. Charles Richard Wallingford. Yeah, don't, don't call me Smith. I... Hey, get that. He's talking in his sleep. Sometimes they do under the influence of a sedative. Oh, Wallingford. Especially when they have something in their conscience they want to get rid of. I'd better take notes. And you stay here as a witness, Doc. Yeah. That's me, Charles Richard Wallingford. But don't let that fancy moniker fool you. (laughs) No, sir, I'm no banker or executive. I'm just a guy who worked in a porter in a big office building downtown. But I don't want you to think I didn't have any ambition. No. I know that someday I'd get my break and... When I did, there was nothing going to stop me from going places. No, sir, not a thing. Now, take that night, for instance. It was six o'clock, and most of the offices were emptying out. I had my broom and mop, and I was ready to start cleaning the office of P.J. Rogers. P.J. He's the president of the Apex Advertising Agency. I always like to start with the top boys. I looked around P.J.'s office. Soft, easy chairs. Lots of buttons to push to make people jump. Yeah, this'd be the life. Well, I started my broom going, I swept around, and I bent down to pick up the wastebasket, and a piece of torn paper caught my eye. Now get this. I don't know whether it was fate or just plain curiosity, but I read what was written on it. It was a memorandum from the desk of S.M. Parry to P.J. Rogers, and it said... The judges have decided that the winner of the toothpaste contest is Pat Smith of Boston. Now, I knew that that was the century toothpaste contest that just ended last week. 25,000 smackaroos to the winner. And this guy, Pat Smith of Boston, won it. Uh, some guys have all the luck. Just for writing a slogan. $25,000, and this dog guy doesn't even know he won it yet. He don't even know he won it. But I do. I got what's called an inspiration. According to the radio, the winner won't be announced until the 15th of this month. Today's only the 12th. Charlie, my boy. Charlie, my boy, I say to myself. When fate decides to hand you a break, who are you to turn it down? I stalled around until I'd made sure everyone had left the agency. Then I went for the filing cabinets that had the entries. They were listed from A to Z. I found the names that began with S, and I started looking for Pat Smith from Boston. There were over 200 Smiths, Abe Smith, Betty Smith, Carl Smith. I went through them until I came to Ollie Smith. 
And the next one was Pat Smith of 500 Commonwealth Avenue, Boston, Massachusetts. I copied the address and the slogan. Brother, to me, that slogan sure sounded corny. Ah, but who am I to judge $25,000? I went downstairs to the locker room, I changed my clothes, I beat it over to Grand Central, and I caught the midnight to Boston. Front boy. 500 Commonwealth Avenue is a big hotel with a sign reading, for men only. I walked up to the desk. May I help you, sir? Yeah. You have a Mr. Pat Smith staying here? Pat Smith? Now, let me see. George Smith, Harry Smith. Ah, Pat Smith. Yes, sir. Room 1133. 1133, thanks. Oh, uh, say, uh, mister, look, we have... The clerk started to yell something after me. The elevator door closed and I didn't wait. Yeah, I wish I had, but I didn't. Yeah? Hello. My name's Wallingford. Charlie Wallingford. I'd like to talk to you. What about? About $25,000. This a joke? That kind of money isn't funny, mister. Come on in. Thanks. I'll just move my clothes and you can sit down. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> now, what can I do for you, Mr. Wallingford? Mr. Smith... How would you like to make 12,500 bucks? That's a lot of money. It sure is. What do I have to do? You entered the Century Toothpaste Contest, didn't you? The slogan contest? Yeah, how'd you know? I work for the people that run the contest. I see. And I can fix it so that you can win first prize. I'm beginning to understand. Good. Then I don't have to do any explaining. It isn't exactly legal, is it? Well, maybe not. I thought all these contests were running the up and up. They are. This happens to be uh, an unusual circumstance. I see. Somebody had to win, it might as well be you. Tell me, uh, why of all the contestants did you happen to pick me? Oh, I don't know. Just chalk it up to fate. And suppose I don't agree to your proposition. Then I'll find somebody else who will. Simple as that? Yeah. All right, it's a deal, Mr. Wallington. Just plain Charlie to all my business friends. Ah, shake. Yeah. Well, I suppose you're busy. Not at all. Or don't you have some kind of job you got to get to? No. That's why I came to Boston. Oh. Uh, how long you been here? Two days. Wait a minute. How come your entry had this address? Oh, I reserved this room a month ago. I've been using it as my mailing address. Oh, I see. Where are you from, Pat? Nowhere in particular. Just where my business takes me. You don't say. Uh, got any family? No, not a soul. Uh, maybe have friends here in Boston. Not huh? one. Gee, that's too bad. Why the look? Oh, nothing. I was just thinking. About the money? Right the first time. Uh, you know, it's too bad our paths didn't cross before. Why's that? I think we'd have made a good team. What's your racket? Stocks and bonds. Sell them? Uh-huh. Legitimate? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Say, isn't uh, contests out of your alley? That's ah, just a hobby. But sometimes they pay off, huh? <laughs> well, come on, let, let's blow this place. We'll really celebrate our little deal. Sure, anything you say. I knew I had this guy figured from the second I laid eyes on him. Just a small-time confidence mug. 
And I knew he wasn't going to play 50-50 with me. No, sir. The minute he got his hands in that dough, I'd have to sing for my half. So I decided to take it all. Yeah. I could be Pat Smith for a couple of days. And just so there wouldn't be too many Smiths, I'd fix this one up with a one-way ticket. We went to a place for coffee and sandwiches. I had some of my sleeping pills with me, and by the time we got to the apple pie, he was feeling them. Something wrong with me. What's the matter? My head. I'm going around right on top. Oh, come on. Come on, give me your arm. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. The air will straighten you out. I just want to lay down. You will. In a little while. Where are we going? Just walking. I want to lay down. Oh, hey, hey, take it easy. Hey, easy. Yeah, stand up. Hey, why are we walking out on this dock? Just to get you some air. Bring you around. All right, all right. Hey, there. Yeah? What's wrong, mister? Well, nothing, officer. My, my friend here isn't feeling very good. Oh, yeah? Better let me have a look at him. Sure. Hey. Hey, wake up. I just want to lay down. Okay, mister. I just want to check up. Lots of funny things happen around here at night. Boy, you can't be too careful. No, sir. Good night, officer. Good night. I waited until the cop disappeared under the fog. Smith had passed completely out of the picture. Dragged him down to the end of the dock. I looked around me and I found a piece of lead pipe and I... And that was over. I stripped off his clothes and I changed with him. I stuck the pipe under his belt and I pushed him into the water. I watched his body sink. Then I left the dock. I went back to the hotel and I went up to Smith's room and... After a while, I went to sleep. Yeah? Mr. Smith? Mr. Pat Smith? Speaking. Well, there's a young lady waiting for you. Waiting for me? Yes, sir. She says she's your fiance. <laughs> For Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Hume Cronin in Too Many Smiths by Arthur L. Gray. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of Suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Visiting friends in Hollywood... I noticed that more and more of them now entertain with wine. And of all wines served in America, Roma, of course, is the most popular. There are good sound reasons so many smart Americans prefer Roma wine for entertaining. Roma wine is moderate, inexpensive, and easy to serve. And Roma wine is always delicious, always unvaryingly fine.
for Roma, America's greatest vintner, is able to select from more grapes of choice varieties from California's finest vineyards than any other winery. And to this rich treasure of fine grapes, Roma adds years of winemaking skill and resources unmatched in America. Yet, Roma wine, America's first choice, costs no more than ordinary wines. Right now, Roma dealers are featuring fine red Roma California table wines, Burgundy Claret Zinfandel. For an adventure in good dining, try Roma Burgundy, Claret or Zinfandel with a juicy steak, savory pot roast or spaghetti with meat sauce. You'll discover food with Roma is food at its best. So insist on Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Hume Cronin and Too Many Smiths, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. there, paralyzed with that phone in my hand. Hello? Hello? Mr. Smith? Did you hear me, sir? Your fiance? My fiance? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll be right down. She'll be waiting for you in the reception room. This didn't jive. Smith said he didn't know anybody in Boston. Started to break out in a sweat. I had to go down and face her. Trying to avoid it would make things look suspicious. I took my time dressing, but my mind was going like a machine gun. But it was no use. There's nothing I could do but to face her and try and bluff my way. Pardon me, miss. Are uh, you looking for Pat Smith? Yes. Well, I'm Pat Smith. Oh, I I'm afraid there must be some mistake. <laughs> I guess there is. Yes, the, the Mr. Smith I'm looking for is, is my fiancé. You sure he's registered in this hotel? I am, very sure. Well... Oh, how foolish of me. There must be two Pat Smiths here. You and, and my fiancé. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I never thought of that. It's such a big hotel. I'll ask the clerk. Yeah, do that. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Smith. I, I'm, I'm awfully sorry I disturbed you. But that's okay. Two Pat Smiths. That was something I hadn't counted on. I watched her cross the lobby to the desk. She spoke to the clerk. He smiled and picked up the phone. The dame sat down and waited. In a few minutes, a middle-aged guy walks up to the desk and the clerk pointed out this dame to him. I took a good look at this other Pat Smith and I beat it into the elevator and went upstairs to my room. I headed for the desk and I started going through the late Pat Smith's things. I found his papers and then I saw what I was looking for. A copy of the slogan he'd written. Oh, brother, I breathed a sigh of relief. It was the same as the one I'd copied from the agency's files. Fate is sure sticking closer to me than a suspicious wife. <laughs> that stupid clerk could have sent me to the wrong Smith, and if I'd knocked him off, I really would have been in a jam. I didn't sleep at all good that night. I... Around 8 a.m., I headed for the drugstore in the lobby. My head was buzzing. I wanted a cup of black coffee. As I was drinking my second cup, I glanced in the mirror in front of me and I saw the second Pat Smith come in. I turned around to watch him buy some stuff at the counter. 
razor blades, shaving cream, soap, and a large tube of century toothpaste. Century toothpaste. It was only then it began to creep into my mind. Maybe this Pat Smith had entered the contest also. And if so, maybe he was the guy that was going to collect the 25 grand. Maybe I've been barking up the wrong tree. Sick, weak, empty feeling settled in my insides. I put a quarter on the counter and I followed Smith into the lobby. I, uh, beg your pardon. Uh, yes? Isn't your name Smith? Pat Smith? Oh, yes, it is. Funny thing, but that's my name also. Oh, yes, yes, I heard there was another Pat Smith staying here. You mind if I sit down? No, no, go right ahead. Thanks. Kind of funny, two Pat Smiths living under the same roof. Oh, I don't know. Smith's a very common name. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. You know, that, that's how I met your girlfriend. Uh, my girlfriend? Yeah, the tall, blonde, good-looking dame. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. But uh, wasn't she looking for you? I don't get you. Well, the clerk telephoned me in my room that she was waiting downstairs, and when I met her, it seems that I wasn't the Pat Smith she was looking for. <laughs> Darn it. You what? No. So, naturally, I assumed it was you. There couldn't be a third Pat Smith here. Well, hardly. I spoke to the clerk about it, and he checked the register. Maybe she had the wrong hotel. Well, I doubt that very much, because I've seen her about the lobby the past few days. You have? Mm-hmm. Why, uh, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. Nothing. I, I'm just thinking. Yeah. I see you're doing a crossword puzzle. Yes. Are you uh, interested in puzzles? Uh, sometimes. I like contests better. You know, the kind they have on the radio? Uh-huh. You ever enter one of those? Well, as a matter of fact, I have. Uh, how about the Century Toothpaste Contest? Oh, of course, $25,000. That's, That's quite a big prize to shoot for. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, what kind of slogan did you write? Well, I think it's pretty good. I uh, got a copy right here in my pocket. Would you care to read it? Sure would. Let me see now, where is it? Oh, yeah, here it is. I, uh... I don't think it'll win first prize, but it might win one of the lesser ones. Well, what do you think, Pat? Yeah, that's pretty good. Much better than the one a certain party I knew wrote. Didn't take no book critic to see that the slogan this Smith wrote was the better of the two. I was a fool. If I'd looked through the files at the agency more carefully, I'd have seen that there were two Smiths and which Smith won the dough. I was in a tough spot. Tonight at 10, they were going to announce the winner. I had just six hours to figure out an angle or lose 25 grand. Hello? Hello, Mr. Smith. Who's this? Mr. Smith's fiance. Remember? Yeah, I remember. What do you want? I think you and I better have a little talk. What about? About my fiancé. Where are you? In the lounge. I'll be right down. Well, hello. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. Okay, what's on your mind? You. Me? <laughs> Gee, I'm flattered. You needn't be. Okay. What about me? It's so interesting. Why you killed Pat Smith. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's not be stubborn about this, Mr. Wallingford. Must I repeat my question? No. 
Who are you? You already know that. What's your name? Betty. Betty what? I'm asking the questions. How do you know he's dead? It's in the evening papers. Let me see that. Here. Police discover body in Charles River. First thought to be Charles Wallingford, but fingerprints taken from the dead man proved his identity to be Pat Smith, a small-time confidence man wanted by the police in three states. The police are looking for Wallingford. New York City police have discovered that Wallingford's been missing from his rooming house for the past five days. You see how I know. Where do you fit? I was supposed to meet Smith here. We had a little job planned. Oh, I see. And you went and spoiled it. Why? Come on, come on, start talking. If I don't like the tone of your conversation, maybe the police will. Well, I, I, I couldn't see any way out but to tell her the whole story. I couldn't bluff. I was scared and she knew it. She didn't say anything while I was talking. She just sits and stares at me. I always told Pat those contests would be the death of him. Well, that's how it is. This other guy will collect all the dough. You given up so easily? You have any ideas? $25,000. Oh, I was a fool to get mixed up in this in the first place. Are you sure this Smith is going to win? It can't be anyone else. Yeah. Well, you've gone so far, why not take another step? What do you mean? I met this other Smith just as I met you. Yeah, I know that. And from the way his eyes lit up, I could see he was, uh, was kind of sorry I wasn't his fiance. So? I don't think Mr. Smith would mind very much taking a walk with me down by the river. Maybe holding hands? I see what you mean. Just the way you did the other job. Well, I don't know. I'm scared. No, 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 I'm game. Good. Look, you get him on that dock. I'll take over from there. Don't worry, don't worry. He'll be there. Yeah. By the time the cops fish him out of the river, we'll have the money and plenty of distance. You mean we go together? What's the matter? Don't I appeal to you? Oh, sure, sure. Now, I... wait here. I'm going to phone him and cast out the bait. Okay. Here's hoping he bites. Don't worry, he will. I watched her walk out of the lounge to the phone booth across the lobby. Every eye in the joint on her. I knew Smith didn't have a chance. And if I hung around her, I wouldn't either. Oh, she was murder that dame. After this job was over, I was heading in the opposite direction. I could see her talking, and when she hung up, I could tell by the expression on her face that Smith was a cooked turkey. He'll be down in five minutes. You better beat it. Okay, baby. You're carrying the ball from now on. See you on the dock. I glanced back at the table, and she was sitting there, calmly powdering her nose for the kill. Then fate stepped in again. I don't know why, but it suddenly hit me that maybe she was giving me the double cross. After all, how long do I know the dame? I went back into the lounge through the street entrance, and I managed to sneak into a booth behind the one she was sitting in. In a few minutes, Smith came in through the lobby entrance and walked over to her. Well, <laughs> good evening. I came down as quickly as I could. So I see. <laughs> I suppose my phone call surprised you. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh-huh. I'll come to the point, Mr. Smith. Somebody is going to murder you. What? Please keep your voice down. Oh, I'm sorry, but... In heaven's name, why would anyone want to murder me? For $25,000. I don't have that much money. You will. Look, I, I, I don't understand. The century toothpaste contest. Yeah? You hit the jackpot. How do you know? The winner won't be announced until 10 tonight. I have a way of knowing these things. I, I'm going to call the police. Sit down, Mr. Smith. 
I got a better idea. She lowered her voice, but by straining, I got wind of what she was pulling. I was clear. She wanted the money, but without a murder rap. Then she was going to tip off the police about me, which would give her clear sailing with Smith and the dough. Yeah. She was clever, all right. But you know, it was funny. It didn't burn me up. <laughs> I, w I wasn't even sore. I was just tired and scared. I wanted to get away. Anywhere, so long as it was far from Boston. I had a few dollars left, so I, I beat it. I went to the railroad depot. My train didn't leave for an hour, so I walked around. I bought a paper. Oh, I felt like a punch-drunk fighter. I, I was licked, and, and I knew it. Fate had let me down, all right. I was through. While I was standing in the crowd, waiting for the gate to open, when I saw it. Right there on the front page, I saw it. I started to laugh. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't stop. <laughs> there it was right there on the front page. I, I just broke up his Hey, officer, me. Officer, I was tired. What's wrong with this man? You, you, what's the matter with you, buddy? Hey, hey, you're Charles Wallingford. Alias Pat Smith. You're wanted for murder. <laughs> what a story. Starts out as a simple swindle and winds up murder. Yeah, but a story still doesn't tell me what I want to know. What's that, Doc? The cause for his temporary insanity. No, it doesn't at that. Hey, that newspaper. He was reading... Where, where is it? On, on the first page. Here. Yeah, here. Take a look at this. The winner of the $25,000 Century Toothpaste Contest was announced last night. The lucky winner was... was Miss Pat Smith of the little town of Boston, Georgia. <laughs> Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Just two more shopping days before Father's Day, June 16th. This year, give Dad something special. A gift he'll long remember with pride and warm appreciation. Honor him with a bottle of magnificent Roma California Champagne. Traditional wine for the truly special occasion. Or, if you're planning a family party for Dad, make it really festive with the bubbling brilliance of pale gold, sprightly dry Roma Champagne. For Roma Champagne pays the perfect compliment due the man of the house on his day. And throughout this month of weddings, anniversaries, and gala social events, you can rely on Roma Champagne to add the subtle touch of continental smartness that makes your hospitality outstanding, yet... Delicious Roma Champagne, so lavish, so glamorous, so flattering to your guests, is really inexpensive. When you shop tomorrow, get Roma Champagne. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wine, America's first choice. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you June Dupre as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. 
Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was Too Many Smiths from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a request from our listener library from our listener Kimberly. And she did write, I have a special reason for liking it. Do we know what her special reason is for liking it? Yes. Um, Kimberly writes, it probably won't add anything to the discussion, but my mom is from Boston, Georgia, the little town referred to at the end of the episode. It's such a tiny place. I was surprised to hear it mentioned, especially as a plot twist. Ah, Nice. I was hoping Kimberly was actually Hume Cronin. (laughs) (laughs) Or that she, too, had murdered a small-time confidence man. Right, right. Thrown him off a dock. Won a toothpaste contest. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Forgive me for not remembering. Did we get to hear what his... No, uh, we didn't hear either of them. I didn't think so. It's probably my biggest qualm with this episode, frankly. (laughs) I was like, that is such a missed opportunity. It distracted me. I had to do a second listen to get over the fact that I did not hear these uh, toothpaste slogans. I have in my mind this whole story of like, okay, let's get all the writers together. Now, everyone just suggests like a really bad one and a really good one. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, was this a bad one or a good one? <laughs> uh, and feelings were involved and like, okay, we'll just skip over it. And... What was the name of the toothpaste again? Century Toothpaste. All right, here we go. Uh, Century Toothpaste, because you should brush your teeth once every hundred years. Okay. Now, now is that a good one? Or is that a I bad know, one? But you now you gotta write one. Go. Century toothpaste. Smile. It's what's in your mouth. <laughs> Century toothpaste. Since you're already brushing your teeth. Huh? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Twenty five thousand dollars I could get for that. <laughs> uh, all right. So Overall, I did enjoy myself during this entire thing. I, I can't quite decide what Tim and Joshua will think of this episode. I'm not sure. I, the conclusion I came to is that this story is a house of cards built pretty much entirely on like bad decisions by the characters and mm-hmm. improbable coincidence. And if you buy into that, it's really fun. If right. you don't, it just crashes spectacularly and for me with one pretty major exception i totally bought in because this is fun and i think the story very carefully sets up that we are going to be dealing with coincidence uh there's all this talk of fate this is predetermined to happen yeah um and it also heavily foreshadows that it's all going to be about how deceptive names are because he introduces mm-hmm. himself at the beginning. I'm Charles <laughs> William. Yeah. Charles William Wallingford, but don't let that fool you. Names can be deceptive, which right. I thought was really clever. Cause you're just like, yes, that is what this <laughs> entire thing is about. Yeah. Kudos. I have only one complaint, which is I wish the title was different. I felt like the, the title pointed too pointedly 
at, at what was going to happen. Yes. I agree with you on that. There's a line somewhere in here that I wrote down as a better title because I thought the same thing as Tim. Wow, we're on the same page for once, gentlemen. Nice. Yeah. It won't last for long. <laughs> At some point, someone says, don't call me Smith. And I thought, that's oh, the uh, name of this Don't episode. call me Smith. Either well, that or fate made a sucker out of me. Probably not. <laughs> Even if you're going to point to the outcome of this and keep the, the Smith thing, I hate the title Too Many Smiths because it sounds like a wacky sitcom. <laughs> Too many Smiths. I actually really like the title. I just think um, it points you See, there too much towards Now the, we're disagreeing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> too many Smiths, I think, made me interested in the story. But as soon as I got into it, I went, oh, there's going to be too, too many, many Smiths. Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> but the, oh, uh, there's the, a cat wife. <laughs> <laughs> the the point that, made, that I, I really invested in and it made me let go of any worries about this is just a huge coincidence is when he's runs into the elevator and the, he had asked the guy at the desk about Pat Smith and said, who is on this floor? And he's running to the elevators. But there's a thing, really important thing you should know mm -hmm. of like, at that point he gave up his uh, claim to random chance of like, you yeah. could have, yeah. had you sat and listened. Right. And he even says, I wish I had listened. <laughs> I, I know that there's a lot of coincidence that you have to buy into but it wasn't too hard for me to go, sure, there'd be two Pat Smiths in a hotel. Yeah. It's, it's you plausible do, enough. Yeah. There's some it's level. It's plausible enough. Thank you. That's it. But I'm with you that you have to let go of, well, the odds of that are ridiculous. But and they then it both enter the contest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and they both it's enter not the just a name. It's right. the toothpaste and there's yep. a confidence man and he's got a fiance who's yep. in on everything. And so that's what makes it fun. It sounds right. like I'm critical of it, but I definitely could see someone approaching it in a way that they felt locked out of the story because they were asked to believe too much. Yeah. And to me, it's like, oh, if I believe all that, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. I believe it. Right. <laughs> if you don't believe all that, just avoid the Marvel franchise altogether. <laughs> it struck me as surprising, which is going to sound dumb when I explain it, but that he is wanted for the murder of a confidence man. We learned that at the beginning and then it's pretty early on he kills this guy. And so... As we keep going, it's not like he does something else that's terrible. I kept thinking, like, oh, he's going to kill somebody else. There's going to be this confusion. There's going to be a twist. Like, no, it's that guy he killed really early on and just catches up to him eventually. Mm -hmm. Right. And despite the fact that the script does a really, I think, excellent job quickly establishing what kind of person Charlie is, uh, just with a few lines, uh, when he walks into the offices of PJ Rogers, the apex advertising guy. Um, and he describes it as having lots of easy chairs, lots of buttons to make people jump. Yeah, this would be the life. Mm -hmm. And so you realize instantly that he's in for shallow gratification and power and yeah. easy money. Um, and that's what he values. Um, right. Even though he's a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> and so despite that, despite thinking this is a really shallow guy, kind of a bad guy, I was still surprised when he so casually announces, hmm, I'm going to kill this guy. Right. I'm, he brains him to death with a lead pipe and just yep. casually drops him in the water. It was yep. weirdly like you hit him and then changed clothes with him. So like, yeah, yeah. Stripped this corpse. It is a weird thing because at the beginning, he's saying, you know, if I just work hard enough, I can work my way up the ladder here. Sweeping the floor. Porter. He called himself a porter? Yeah. Porter. But my point is that you get the sense of this guy's all about hard work and perseverance. And and then within seconds, he's like, or I could kill this guy and take this money. Like he turned on a dime. 
right? Like his entire personality. It switch. was a, a funny moment I enjoyed of like, oh, broker. Oh, this guy is not going to, he's not going to pay off. <laughs> right. I love Elliot Lewis. Even in a bit part, he mm-hmm. played the confidence man. Yep. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of shocking to hear him in such a small role. Not that Hume Cronin isn't highly enjoyable, but there was a little bit of me that was like, Elliot Lewis, maybe should have done this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the the woman was great, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved her uh, scene with him where she broke down, I know what you're doing. And I liked her approach as an actor to how she delivered those lines. The dialogue was written really well as well to not just have her come in and go, I know who you are and I know what's going on. Like there was that slow burn because he does a great job of walking into that scene and going, yeah, what's going on? No, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a very real scene. It mm-hmm. seemed very real to me in that situation. And I hate it when people who've done something wrong that when they're confronted in fiction, theater, whatever, uh, movies, that the nervousness of it is so pronounced. Yeah. Look at how look at how nervous I am. What? No, what are you talking about? What's what's happening? But he just came and said, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah. Well, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And then eventually, went, okay. So you know. <laughs> and I like that approach to the performance of it so much better because it was so much more real than the actor that's trying desperately to let the audience know that he's nervous inside by showing it so much outside. Get what I'm getting at? And the script does a nice job dividing it up because he receives the phone call in his, uh, or not in his, in the dead Pat Smith's hotel room that, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, your fiance is down here. So he gets to have a panicked moment up there like you would alone and go, oh no. (laughs) And then he, like, as you said, has the time to pull himself together and, uh, play it casual when he goes down there and there's a nice moment that Hume Cronin plays where he says oh maybe there's another Pat Smith I can't remember if he says it or if uh, the fiance suggests it but he does a little oh there's like some (laughs) little moment where he suddenly realized what if there is another Pat Smith yeah you get to hear him think about the possible complications Mm -hmm. that are about to arise but I think you were talking about the later scene after he talks to the other Pat Smith the scene where he's talking to the fiance uh, for the second time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I was thinking of the first time where he just comes the, down and I he has really, such, oh, no, no. such bravado where he's like, hi. Oh. But he's also there as well. The actor's not showing his exactly. nervousness inside yeah. both times. It reminds me, as you guys know, I've been I've fallen in love with Dragnet, the radio series. You can listen to an episode of Dragnet and 15 minutes in go, well, that guy's obviously innocent and find out later they're guilty. But like even in Law & Order, which I love, the guilty people act so guilty, <laughs> you know? And we don't really do that in those situations. We're all much better at lying than fiction gives us credit for. Are um, you lying the, to me right now, Eric? Correct. <laughs> that exchange between him and the, the non-dead Pat Smith of like, oh, no, I talked to her and I thought you were the, the fiancé. Yeah going into that second conversation with that knowledge of like she knows and that of like I will lie to the best of my ability until it's clear that I can't and then that moment where he goes alright yep yep here we go okay I loved the performances of this piece because of the realness of, of that but connected to that because of all that I think this is where the production loses me and my biggest qualm with it and that is when 
Charlie makes the plan uh, with the dead Pat Smith's fiance, whether or not she really is or not. We, we don't know because she's working with a confidence man. I, I feel like it's kind of unclear. They were at least partners in crime. Maybe she was or wasn't his fiance. But regardless, they make the plan to lure the other Pat Smith to the dock, kill him. And Charlie doubles back and eavesdrops on their conversation on the other booth and hears mm-hmm. that she's double crossing him because yep. obviously her plan makes way more sense than that. But he just gives up. Mm -hmm. And it seems so out of character for this guy who's been so fast on his feet and so ready to handle anything that comes at him. The fact that he just deflates and and he says something along those lines, like he, he wasn't angry, just tired and scared. And he walks away. And I felt like that was incredibly anticlimactic. Even if he Mm -hmm. confronts, them in that moment um, tries to kill them. It just feels like it's missing a climax because the problem right. is you have a guy who has two breaks. Uh, by breaks, I mean mental breaks, like mm-hmm. a, a kind of disassociation. Mm-hmm. He hears that the plan's going wrong and he just kind of loses all of his energy. And then he has a second break when he reads the newspaper and finds out it's Pat Smith from Boston, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then he goes hysterical. Mm-hmm. And that that second break would have been far more powerful if he stayed strong and in the fight yeah, until right. the last moment Feeding where he was realizing even more in like yeah 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 it was such a weird moment and, and on the same token I can see someone actually doing that <laughs> I think I'm thinking about me oh this has gone way too far I give up yeah <laughs> but that level of realism doesn't work with no. the level of coincidence in this story oh, that's a really good point well and I I think you could even get the same beat out of alright I, I gotta kill two more people to make this work to get a little bit closer to that line yeah. even if you back away from it to be standing there with the lead pipe and like I'm not gonna kill two more people <laughs> Yeah. Or he kills two more people or he kills two and more people. finds out it's still yeah. this woman, Pat Smith, from the Saturday Night Live sketches. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lean more toward Tim. The, the image that Tim just gave me, I'm holding a pipe. I either got to kill two more people to make this work or, God, let's just end this right now. I am I'm way too deep. I'm walking away. But that does work against the... It does. That final break. It works against the story. I'm just talking about, yeah. I can see a person doing that, but it doesn't quite fit what's been established in the And what's in the, the old crime trope? They can't hang me three times, right? right? <laughs> At right. some point, you're in, buddy. I, yes. I, from a realistic standpoint, it works. From the storytelling, it doesn't. But yeah, that would be me. I, I killed a guy. Which never would happen, but <laughs> Say, if I did that, like, like, if it got to, you have to do two more and be like, oh, okay, no, it's already crazy, because $25,000 is what? $350,000 today. Yep. Did you figure it out? More than a quarter of a million dollars. Huh. That's over $100,000 per corpse, then, if you... <laughs> I gotta tell you, 350000 ain't enough for me to even consider killing a guy. How much, Eric? <laughs> That's an interesting thought. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 360? 360? Well, as we learn in most of these old-time radio shows, your guilt's going to always get you. <laughs> right? It's just the question of how much money makes guilt worth it. <laughs> well, as David Lee Roth once said, Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy a yacht big enough to sail right up next to it. (laughs) Uh, There's that 
weird moment where the cop comes across them on the dock and <laughs> says, you know, a lot of funny things happen around here at night, but apparently he doesn't find one guy dragging a semi-conscious guy toward the end of a dock funny <laughs> he, just, he just moves on <laughs> right well i think it's also of the era that if you're out with a friend that's super drunk mm-hmm. and you're obviously not that it's yeah boys will be boys and he'll yeah. take care of them and yeah and i don't know it goes by really quickly if you guys notice that uh, when charlie goes to the hotel it's a men's only hotel yes and so i, I, I was like that that seems odd, and I, I looked it up, and I was not familiar with this. Maybe you are, but from this uh, mid-20th century, there were these men's-only hotels, and they were starter places to live when you come into a big city and yep. don't have a job. So these oh. there was a reason a confidence man was staying there. This was yep. not probably a super nice place, and it's yep. down by the docks. So this whole neighborhood starts to get painted as as a rough part of town yeah I, I did hear that and i happened to know that so it did help paint the picture for me when he said mm-hmm. men's only hotel and said oh we're in the bad part of town oh and when he goes in to uh talk to the confidence man into his room you get this idea that it's really tiny because there's just one throwaway line where elliot lewis says uh you can move those clothes off of there to oh sit yeah, down. yeah and suddenly I'm like oh i can see this tiny mm-hmm. room where the clothes are everywhere every hotel room in new york Oh, the door hit the bed. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I stayed in a couple of those in Chicago. Yeah, I've never had a room in New York in any hotel that the door didn't (laughs) either hit the bed or almost hit the bed. Like, wow, it's small. That just speaks to your available cash. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, we we, we drove to Bozeman a few weeks ago. We stayed at four different hotels, and you forget. Like, like, you, you get out there, and you're like, would you like the suite? There's nine rooms and six couches for a hundred dollars a night. Like, yeah, give me the suite. I got it. I hopefully Wendy will never listen to this episode, but I got to tell you about the. the <laughs> I'm emailing this to <laughs> the hotel room we had in New York. It was a very nice hotel. It was sort of it's a little bit of fashion style in it involved in there, and one of the fashionable style, stylistic elements was the bathroom had sort of a frosted glass. That separated it from the the living room, which you know that's sort of romantic, like ooh shower. But more often it was like, so I'm going to be in here pooping. May want to not pay attention to the frosted glass you know, for the next ten or fifteen minutes. Wait, fifteen uh, minutes? What do you eat? <laughs> I like to think about stuff. <laughs> Oh man! Really nice room, though. Aside from that, very nice. Uh, Gonna hang a poop sheet over the frosted glass. I've had my own bathroom for many years, and when I drove my kid to college a few weeks ago with me and my wife, right? We stayed in one room with two beds, you know, mm-hmm. on the way. And I had not realized how long it had been since they had enjoyed what it's like to go into the bathroom after me. <laughs> <laughs> I have not worried about that for many years. Hmm. And then they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Wait, I this, had the curry. Is this episode called Too Many Smiths or no. Too Much Information? 
So any this other... episode is obviously very personal to us <laughs> as well. Any other uh, thoughts on this episode, or should we vote? I'm going to give one last compliment to Elliot Lewis. There's that little bit of dialogue uh, where Charlie says, hey, what's your racket? And he says, stocks and bonds, I sell them. And Charlie goes, is it legitimate? And uh, Elliot Lewis just laughs. Yeah. It's just what perfect. do you think? Exactly. Yeah. It just yep. conveys amusement, derision, and bravado, like yep. all at the same time. I Ugh. do love his performance in this. There's a reason he was called Mr. Radio. Yep. <laughs> Who wants to vote first? Go ahead, Joshua. Yeah. Um, let's see. I super enjoyed the first two-thirds of this very much. Like I said, I, I gleefully embraced each complication and coincidence that came up. I did really feel frustrated by the fact that he gave up and it kind of felt like the script gave up mm-hmm. in that moment. Like, oh, just too many complications. I'm just going to walk away until I conveniently see a newspaper which will wrap this up. So that disappointed me. And I think for that reason, I don't know that I would call this a classic. But while I was listening to it, I was like, this is pretty close. This is so much fun. Uh, But I definitely think it stands the test of time. And I think the quibbles I have are timeless quibbles. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think if I were around in 1946, I would still be sitting there in my little 1946 outfit. I don't know what that is. It's not a French maid outfit. I made it sound kind of weird. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I would still say, "Eh, that bugged me. So I think it stands the test of time for sure. Sid and Marty Croft did that show, Timeless Quibbles. (laughs) The Timeless. Uh, Doctor Who also fought them. (laughs) Timeless Quibbles. That would be a mashup I want to see. Sid and Marty Croft's Doctor Who. I think think it just is a subconscious mashup of (laughs) Doctor Who and Sid and Marty Croft. Both shows are. I agree with everything you just said. It's uh, not a classic. It stands the test of time, and it was a lot of fun. The, the quibbles are timeless. <laughs> I, uh, we didn't even talk about the framing sequence, though. It just strikes me. He comes in and they give him a sedative and he talks in his sleep. Oh, yeah. He we does a, a full cast <laughs> with sound effects. <laughs> talk in his sleep. I was he just pretty good. impressive. Yeah. The framing sequence was so unnecessary. It adds suspense in that he is just hysterical. He's yeah. laughing and crying at right. the same time. So you go like right. something terrible happened. And they establish like, oh, he's wanted for murder. I didn't mind it. It just you could have not had it yeah. and it would have been I would have liked it just as much. They're like, we need a reason to get the shadow in here. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I gotta say. Uh, my only real complaint as I said before is the title. Um I feel like there was some fun twists in there that I would have enjoyed more had I not seen them coming as much because of the title. Um, but yeah, I would not call it a classic. It is a, a, a fun sort of normal outlier from the normal suspense. I don't usually think of suspense as, as kind of quirky. I, I don't know if I'd call this farcical, but it's just, it is a little farcical. There's mixed mm-hmm. up identities. and It's fun. Yeah, yeah. it is it, fun suspense, which is unusual uh, and legitimately fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, so stance test of time. Absolutely. All right. Tim, tell him stuff. Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. If you have episodes you'd like to, us to listen to, send us a message. You can do that at ghoulishdelights.com. You can also vote in polls, comment on episodes, um, whatever you'd like to link to social media pages. You can link to our Threadless store and buy Mysterious Old Radio Listing Society swag. And you can link to our Patreon page and become a patron. Yes, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash themorals. And now 
the last two weeks, I have been pretty much begging the patrons to send us some testimonials to tell us why they love being patrons so much. And that has been like 60 minutes since I last asked for one. In our time. In our time, because <laughs> it's still part of the same recording session. <laughs> oh, hello. This is not particularly wealthy, not particularly young man about town, Christian speaking, here to encourage you to join me in supporting the mysterious old radio listening society on Patreon. You know, you don't want to do it just for the perks. But I will say that of the 15 or so creators that I support on Patreon, I get the most value from the morals. Let's just talk about a couple of things. One, free live stream tickets. If you buy a ticket for a live morals show, you're just buying a ticket. But if you contribute on Patreon, you support the continuation of the podcast and you get a ticket. Pretty great value. And at the top Patreon tier, you get to choose the subject of an episode and, if you wish, appear on the podcast yourself. I did that for episode number 207 and it was one of the coolest things I've done. If you gave a comparable amount to public radio, would they let you choose the topic of This American Life? Would they let you on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me? Of course not. If you're looking for creators to support at that level, I think the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society is a pretty clear choice. It's been a pleasure to share why I like supporting the morals on Patreon, and until next time I remain, obediently yours. I'm going to assume someone sent us something and yeah. just say, thank you for that heartfelt, moving, powerful message <laughs> of support and love. And every word of that was true. Yes. Thank you so much for Random sending us that. <laughs> if you'd like to see us perform live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society uh, has a theater company that performs... Uh, old-time radio shows, uh, classics on stage, and we also perform a lot of our own original work live on stage. So uh, if you'd like to see us, go to MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com or GhoulishDelights.com. There you will see where we're performing, what shows we're doing every month, which we've been doing for like five years. We've not missed a month, I don't believe. Nope. And so we're somewhere, and uh, depending on when you're <laughs> Look listening... Look out your window. Yes. <laughs> Depending Check on, under your bed. Depending on when you're listening to this, we're somewhere. Oh, and if you can't be there wherever we're performing that month, you can still buy a ticket and watch us on live stream. And if you're a patron, you can watch it online for, for free. free. Well, it's not free. You have to pay to be a patron. But anyway. Free-ish. Uh, free-ish. So, yeah, man, uh, do it. Come see us live. Oh, and, and you don't even have to be there that night. You can still buy a ticket and watch a replay of it. So, there you go. Anyway, uh, what is coming up next? Next, we have another episode with Smith in the title. It's Eric's pick. Oh, that's right. An unintentional Smith double feature. I did not know, but uh, we're going to be listening to, uh, finally, another episode of The Haunting Hour and the episode Hands of Mr. Smith. Until then... Look out! Too Many Smiths, Friday night on ABC. <laughs> and tune in as the quibbles end up in the Old West on The Timeless Quibbles. An hour of action-packed fun, Friday nights on ABC. <laughs>